0: Nora Ronkainen. Meaningful Sport is a series of discussions on the why and how involvement in sport and physical activity can be an important part of a life worth living. We will also explore threats to meaningful engagement in sport and movement culture practices and ask questions about what we can learn about the human condition through our involvement in sport. The guests are leading scholars in human and social sciences of sport, who share their explorations in a scholarly as well as a personal context. If you are interested in the theme, you might also want to check out MeaningfulSport.com. There you can find podcast show notes, read a blog, and access many resources for further explorations of meaningful sport. I am very excited about today's episode where we are focusing on stoicism and sport. How did the Stoics think about a good life and a meaningful life? What role might sport play in all of this? How can we cultivate Stoic virtues when we are practicing sport? Our guest is currently completing his PhD in philosophy at Queen's University in Kingston, Ontario, where he examines Stoic ethics and the question of how Stoics thought we should cultivate our virtue. Interestingly, for our discussion today, he has written about these questions in the context of sport, including the controversial sport of mixed martial arts. Besides philosophy, he's an avid practitioner of different martial arts and holds a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Welcome, Michael Trembley. And thank you so much for joining me for today's exciting
1: discussion. Well, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here.
0: Yeah, I think as a, as a start for our discussion, I think it's such a exciting combination to, to be a high-level martial artist and a philosopher at the same time. So maybe you can share a bit about your journey and how you fell in love with sport and, and philosophy as well.
1: Great. Um... Yeah, so a little bit about myself. Um, my primary sport is Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Um, I also wrestled in university, um, but my my love and my passion is in... I also did competed in uh, mixed martial arts. But my passion is in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Uh, my my father runs a martial arts school, so it was something that I did when I was very young. Um, but I wasn't really passionate about it. I wasn't really engaged until around fourteen. And I competed for the first time and then I just fell in love with it. Once I competed, I was absolutely hooked. And, uh, the, the thing about philosophy. So I, I, I started, I would say my first kind of identity. I started as, as a, as an athlete, as a martial artist. That's how I thought of myself. Um, and then I just kind of went to undergrad, just, you know, to get an undergrad degree. I wasn't really passionate about any subject. I took some philosophy electives. I, I was in psychology and I took some philosophy electives, and I the, they were the most fun I was having. I was getting better grades in them. I was enjoying it more. So then I I, I switched over, and I think the, the the parallels there are quite strong, even though it might not seem that way. But I think in sport, or at least especially in martial arts, we have this view of like self improvement, cultivation, um, you know, becoming becoming the best version of yourself. And you kind of use a, a, a physical instrument or a physical means of training and competition to achieve that goal. And I saw in philosophy, I saw very similar goals, especially in, in the philosophical work that I do, which is ancient Greek philosophy. Ancient mm-hmm. Greek philosophy is focused on, you know, becoming a better person, achieving happiness, improving yourself. And you do that through reading, argumentation, um, so the parallels there—it seemed to me two different means of achieving the same thing, two different means of of um, developing yourself and, and and improving yourself so that you're you're better able to engage with life.
0: Yeah, I I think that's that's a really nice introduction to to your journey and and so at the moment you have specifically focused on on stoicism and, and stoic philosophy and you and you talked about the goals of philosophy in terms of understanding life how to better yourself how to strive for happiness so so what would be kind of the stoic views on on these things what what would be their idea of a good life
1: great we could spend the the whole podcast on this too Um, so stoicism is an ancient greek for those that aren't aren't familiar with it it's an ancient greek philosophy so originated around 300 bc long long time ago and you had all of these different schools all wanted to achieve happiness, but they kind of disagreed about what happiness looked like and about the best way to get there. So the Stoic innovation, the way the Stoics differentiated themselves from the Epicureans or the Cynics or the Skeptics, is the Stoics thought what, what, what it meant to have a good life was to be virtuous. And they had this famous saying that the virtuous person was happy even on the torture rack. And what that was meant to do is it was meant to demonstrate that, you know, even in the worst possible external physical conditions, if you are, if you are virtuous, you're still a, you're still happy. And that might sound controversial, but I think that controversy in a contemporary context comes from understanding happiness perhaps as a, um, predominantly like a psychological experience of pleasure or something along these lines. And you think, well, clearly I'm not, you know, I'm not happiest. I'm not feeling the best when I'm getting tortured. Um, But the word the Stoics were using was eudaimonia, which meant more along the lines of like flourishing or when are you having your best life? And then it makes a bit more sense in that context. Um, So for the Stoics, the best people, the people living their best lives are the people who are good people. And, um, you know, a good person is still... A good person, no matter what happens to them, and this would be this is contrasted with someone like Aristotle, who argues, you know, well, to be happy, you have to be a good person, and you have to have a certain amount of money and a certain amount of fame and all these things. So the Stoic innovation was to totally focus on character development and the pursuit of virtue, and for them, that's what happiness was. Um, Now they 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 they're also going to think that you're going to like suffer less and, you know, feel better if you're virtuous. Um, They think, you know, there's a lot of suffering that comes with being a bad person um, or with not regulating your emotional life properly or or relating to your emotional life properly. But the the point wasn't uh, an experience of pleasure when they meant happiness. The point was, what's the best way to flourish or even live a meaningful life, right? I think that's a a better direction to take it.
0: I think I was going to ask about... uh... Kind of happiness would be the term that you use and that would be a very different understanding of happiness than what would be some of the understandings in contemporary discourse where happiness is just kind of this state of positive effect and, you know, Mm -hmm. having good time and enjoying the moment. So that's definitely not what the Stoics are saying, that that's kind of the purpose of life. How would you, if we think about meaning and meaningfulness, meaningful lives, how how does the Stoic philosophy relate to those ideas?
1: So I don't know you you sent me a couple of questions before this podcast, and I was um, thinking about them because I think this is kind of a way of ta- meaning is, is is a way of talking about happiness that I think is wasn't really present in ancient Greek philosophy. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know I'm going to be kind of putting some words into the mouth. But I think one way to hash out meaning is to think you have a purpose, right? So everything is going towards a specific ends. And so one thing Stoicism provides, um, you know, and and you had mentioned in your questions existentialism as well. Mm -hmm. So a way that Stoicism really contradicts with philosophies like existentialism is Stoicism posits, you know, there is a human nature. There is a human function, right? And what it means to be happy and be a good person, is to maximize and fulfill that human nature. We, as rational animals, as after, you know, God, the person with the, the, the types of beings with the highest level of rationality, our human nature is to, or sorry, our human nature is to think, so virtuous examples of ourselves, good examples of ourselves, are those that think well, and, um, and that's, that's, so that gives us a sense of, you know, how should I navigate situations? What should I do? What should I look for when I want to live a good life? And their answer is you should look to, to think well and to reason properly. So one thing I didn't mention before was that their understanding of virtue was wisdom. To be virtuous is to be wise, to understand yourself and to understand the world that you, that you're a part of, um, and the reason that was virtue is virtue was excellent. So what is an excellent person? An excellent person as a thinking being is a being that thinks well. So a, a perfected person is one who has achieved wisdom. Um, and I think that gives you a sense of meaning because it gives you a, a teleology, right? It gives you an end. It says, well, why am I here? What's my purpose? Well, I'm, you know, I'm here to be a good person. To, to live as well as possible and what does that mean that means to to think well to reason well um, and and move towards virtue and and wisdom
0: yeah I mean those things when you talk about purpose and and there is some direction that towards that you are striving towards and that then would link to like existential thinking like Victor Frankl who was writing about, concentration camps and if you had a purpose if there's something that you are striving towards if you have a life work to finish or you have a loved one who is waiting for you to get out of there so you have something that you are striving towards that gives you the purpose to to kind of endure mm-hmm. in what whatever conditions you are thrown to so and I and- think this this kind of future and something to strive towards is is something that is then shared
1: yeah. And so my understanding of existentialism, I know we'll want to get into sport a little bit more, but we'll start off with some philosophy here. Yeah. I've always understood it, you know, um, as existence precedes essence. So mm-hmm. what that means is first we exist and then we create meaning for ourselves. So my reading of Viktor Frankl in man's search for meaning is mankind has to, you know, create a function or a purpose for himself. So that he can withstand extreme things. Um, Nietzsche has this comment, you know, like any what is endurable if you have a why. Um, so if we can create a meaning, um, we can, we can, you know, undergo extreme hardship in pursuit of that, of that meaning, that purpose.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. The stoic change though, the stoic difference is that the stoics aren't going to think we're creating that. They're going to think there's a truth of the matter. Our meaning is to be wise, to reason well, to understand the world as it is. Um, so anybody who posits a different meaning is is incorrect. And it might still be motivationally effective, but they're making a mistake if they posit a different meaning.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great clarification. And uh, just thinking of existential thought, I think you are correct with, uh, just like you said, existence and and that we are nothing beyond what we create of ourselves, like Sartre would be saying. But then mm-hmm. I guess like certain other existential thinkers would be more talking about discovering meaning, that it's something that is out there in the world, but it's for us to discover and kind of become aware of. And I think Frankl had like some some of that strand in his thinking as well. But yeah, I, I think that's a good uh, clarification in terms of those differences. So, uh, just to move on, and, and then we will get to sports before we are boring our listeners. Let's just do like a quick, um, uh, you can just talk a couple of minutes about uh, who are the key thinkers and 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 kind of the historical background of Stoicism.
1: Great. So, um, Stoicism originated around 300 BC with Zeno uh, of Citium, and this is Athens, so this is ancient Greece. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it existed in prominence until around, I would say, you know, if we want to make it easy, around 200 AD. Um, so that's about 500 years. So that's a long tradition. You know, it's longer than, than the United States has existed as a country. So there's a lot of variation. There's a lot of different thinkers and people in there. Unfortunately, most of the old scholars we have, so Zeno and then the founders of the school that immediately followed him, we've lost a lot of their writing. So, especially for people who are not, who are more interested in um, the motivational or the inspirational aspects of Stoicism, who, who's really famous and the really big thinkers are the, are the later Stoics who came in the Roman period because we have their writing still and because um, they focused mostly on ethics and how to live. Whereas the earlier people also were talking about logic and epistemology and metaphysics. The later Stoics focused on how to live, and and of these, the big three are Epictetus, Marcus Aurelius, and Seneca. Um, my f- research focuses on Epictetus. Uh, he's my favorite, and Epictetus was born a slave in Rome. He acquired his freedom, and he he left Rome, and opened up his own school. So he he opened up a school for philosophy. Where young men would come and they would learn before they entered a professional life, they would learn how to be stoics, how to manage their their emotions, and how to how to be better people. And then they would they would leave the school, you know, they would get kind of a, an education, and they would enter back into their political uh, or business life. And so the thing I like most about Epictetus is he's really like, he's a teacher. So when I when I read Epictetus, I see that you know that hard ass sports coach that everybody you know had growing up at some point Uh or still has now he's the thing about him is he's he's not trying to persuade you to be interested in stoicism that's a very different job than the coach who you're coming to the coach because you want to learn and get better right if we use the athletic metaphor you're already invested in in hockey or basketball or soccer so the coach can push you a lot harder can be a lot more honest because um you know you're there because you want the truth and you want to get better not because you want to be coddled or um you know made to feel good and me as someone who 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 came from that sport background and who wanted to learn as much as possible i i really appreciate and enjoyed that approach um other writers we have like um Seneca who's writing to a friend the the ethical works we have by Seneca he's like writing letters to a friend who's not necessarily stoic who's so a bit more gentle he's um kind of giving advice about how to live in a stoic way in Marcus Aurelius, who was emperor of Rome, we have remaining by him, his basically his diary, his journal to himself, where he talks about Stoicism. Um, and that's, that has an appeal to it because it's quite personal. But me coming into Stoicism I, as a student, I saw myself as uh, you know, a student, an athlete of Stoicism. I wanted to learn from a coach. And Epictetus is a coach. We have his, his teachings, we have his dialogues with students, helping them through problems. And that's why he appeals to me.
0: Yeah, and and from these texts that we have left, are there some direct uh, references to sport as well? Oh,
1: there's a ton in Epictetus. There's 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 some in Seneca and Marcus Aurelius. But I just finished a paper on this. There's a ton in Epictetus.
0: Yeah, maybe you can share a few just for the interest of our listeners. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So so one thing Epictetus likes to talk about. I'm a martial artist, so he likes to talk about wrestling. Oh, there's a couple different great ones here. But one thing he frames that I really love is he talks about, um, you know, thinking of hardships in your life as wrestling opponents. And the, the point of the metaphor there is that, you know, if you go to practice, you want wrestling partners that can beat you up. You want wrestling partners that can, that can give you a hard time and show you where your mistakes are. And you're grateful to these people. You know, you would be a, you'd be a bad addition to any sports team if a wrestling partner, you know, if your teammate beat you on a drill and you were upset. You'd be, that's not a right mentality to bring into an athletic practice. And he thinks that's the same way we should think about difficulties in our lives. If we have something that happens to us and it makes us frustrated, it makes us upset, it, 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 it displays in us some flaw in our character, we should be grateful to that event like a wrestling partner. Who's shown us our own mistakes, um, and then he talks also about God as a, as a coach in that sense. You, you you'd be you'd be grateful to, to a coach for giving you opportunities to learn and improve. And I think that's a key way of reframing difficulties in our lives as learning opportunities and possibilities um, for winning or not winning, but but improving. Um, some other metaphors that I really like. Um, one thing in Stoicism they talk about is is the goal is virtue. Um, the goal is virtue, and then you use other things to achieve virtue. So you know, you I'm trying to think of a good example. But if some situation, let's say you're pursuing some sort of goal, um, you know, you you want a job interview or. Um, you know, you want. let's say I want to achieve my PhD, I have some sort of goal for myself. I'm using that goal as an opportunity to cultivate my character. And this is obviously not not strange for any athlete. We do the same thing. But Epictetus actually makes this explicit analogy to sport. He said it's just like the ball player, right? You know, the good ball players are the ones that, that they're trying to cultivate and develop their skill And they're just using the ball as as a way to do that. They're not getting upset. Um, they're not getting upset about the direction the ball is going. They're not getting upset if it goes in the wrong, if it goes in the wrong net. Their, their focus is just on the ball and what is the best thing I can do with it at that moment. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's a skill that kind of like mindfulness in the moment is something that Epictetus is explicitly asking Stoics to copy athletes in that sense. Um, And so we should be like that with the things in our own lives, you know, focus on the ball, but understand that that's just the thing that you're using to develop yourself and and build your own skill. I don't know if you wanted to jump in. I have some more.
0: Yeah. um, I think these are, these are all interesting already. It it came to my mind when you talked about um, these obstacles or, or having a wrestling match that how it helps you to develop. I just thought about the Danish sociologist Henning Eichberg when he's writing about sport as a way of making our life more difficult than it need to be kind of building these artificial obstacles for
1: us to tackle. I'm, I'm not familiar with that, but that's exactly, that sounds exactly right. That's exactly why part of the reason why I'm attracted to martial arts and sport in general, it's just really hard. It's just a lot harder than other hobbies that I've picked up because you know, because it's physically difficult, it's emotionally difficult. There's a social aspect when you're like losing in front of other people. I like sport because it's incredibly difficult and because it creates that artificial difficulty.
0: Yeah. Just thinking about it, like, why would you want to go and have a mixed martial arts fight? Like you have somebody who can use (laughs) all means possible to, you know, (laughs) knock you out basically. And why does anyone want to voluntarily go into the cage and, and, and let them do that. so <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, it's and 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 um, but but in a sense too, it is also um it is also lower consequence as well, right? So it's this idea of of artificial difficulty with actually, when we take a step back, kind of low consequences. I think that changes a bit in mixed martial arts, like uh I won my first four fights, and then i I lost my fifth and I got like uh got seven stitches in my head because I got neat in the face. And I was right. like, okay, maybe I should, you know, I'm going to kind of wait till I, I'm done my PhD before I, cause I kind of need to focus on, on mixed martial arts <laughs> if I'm going to do it. Cause it has a bit more consequences than grappling or other sports. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah.
1: But, you know, at least with jujitsu, a sport like this where the worst case scenario is you're getting choked and you tap out or you're getting armbarred and you tap out before you get hurt. It's really low consequences. So it's artificial difficulty with low consequences. That's perfect. That's exactly what you want. I mean, It's Mm -hmm. no. I I have the same mentality when I, you know, lift weights at the gym. This is wow. I'm I'm making my Thursday artif like more difficult. Um, but there's but there's no harm to this pain. I'm not getting injured. I'm just I'm just improving. Yeah. Um, and I think that's such a. Not only do I think it's true. I think if you adopt that mentality, it's it's motivationally very powerful. So, I mean, regardless of how you relate to the difficulties in your life, you're already becoming tougher and learning and improving. But if you can make that mindset switch, that process becomes so much, so much less painful because the struggles become meaningful, right? That's what we were talking about meaning before. The struggles you're going through become meaningful because they're working towards a purpose. And it's a purpose that can't, uh, it's a purpose that you can't fail at. I can lose in the soccer game. I can lose in the wrestling match but I can't lose in this process of learning and improving. I always have something, always have access to that.
0: Yeah. I I think what you say about the low consequence, like definitely in most sports, like, you know, you play football, somebody wins, somebody loses. But at the end of the day, it's not like, it's not serious. That's what we talked about with Emily Ryle in, in her episode. Mm-hmm.
1: But,
0: so, yeah. So I kind of jumped in a bit. So I'll, I'd be interested to hear a bit more, more about those examples, about your favorite passages in, in Epictetus.
1: Yeah, I, I, I find them very inspiring. Um, there's another where he talks about um, actually being like an MMA fighter, right? Because they had pancration at the time, and pancration is pan, and then Kratos is that second word, so it's all powerful. So it's the person who's powerful in everything. Um, and that was just mixed martial art. That was like no holds barred fighting in the Olympics. And he talks about you know having your mind be like a pancration fighter who has their hands up, so they're always you know ready. You know that in in UFC now you have to defend yourself at all times. And the idea here is to be is um, to be ever village vigilant and cautious because we make a lot of mistakes in our reasoning when we're not cautious. And those kind of mistakes bring us a lot of hardship. Um, You know, if we jump the gun and think something is worse than it is, or we make some sort of negative assumption about someone or some situation, and when we're not careful about these kind of judgments, we we suffer a lot. So it has this idea, you know, it's it's a simple metaphor. But you were saying you do Muay Thai, so I'm sure you enjoy it. But it's basically just keep your hands up at all times. You know, Mm -hmm. Uh, defend yourself at all times from these kind of careless mistakes that, that bring us a lot of pain.
0: Yeah, I mean, so far in our discussion, we clearly see that there are a lot of valuable things in sports that that can help us develop our character. Surely, mm-hmm. they would have some reservations about sport as well, or would they?
1: So we have two. We have two separate questions here, right? So we have sport as a metaphor, and it seems that it seems that Epictetus and the Stoics think that sport as a metaphor is great. You can learn a lot by comparing yourself to athletes. These are really hardworking people who um, are dedicated to self improvement. And if you took um, if you took that mentality that athletes take, and you applied that to cultivating yourself and cultivating virtue, you'd do great. That's the metaphor. And then there's mm. actually practicing sport. Mm. So is actually doing sport. You know, put down your books and go out and play a game of you know play a game of football. Is that good for you? And, and the Stoics were cautious here. Um, a couple reasons. One reason is that sport can be distracting. Um, and I mean, I'm sure you see this, you know, you're not, there's, 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 there's a lot of times when, um, you know, I've recently just got become a fan of basketball and, you know, I was watching some playoff basketball and I was like, I don't know if this is good for me. Like I'm very stressed. I'm feeling a lot of emotions about this. Um, so there's times when our like you know I, I the the Toronto Raptors lost and like I had trouble falling asleep and I was like I don't know if this is good for me. Um, so there's times when like our focus on sport can distract us from philosophy and from our cultivation of virtue. It can it can make us put a lot of value in things and we can forget that ultimately those things are kind of inconsequential. Um, another thing is they can cause vanity. So the the development of the body. The development of, um, you know, a, a reputation as a champion or a winner, that can cause a lot of vanity, um, which is ultimately not not what you're in it for. And and all that is is the transference, you know, mistaking the tool um, for the ends. And Epictetus talks about this as we're talking about more of these great metaphors are coming up. But he 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 he, he makes this analogy between you know he says books philosophy books are like you're lifting weights. He's like, I don't want to see your collection of weights. I want to see your muscles. Um, and the point is like, you know, don't confuse, you know, don't show me your library, show me how virtuous you are. And it's don't confuse the means of, of becoming better with actually being better. Um, and, you know, you see this all the time. I know in jujitsu, there's a lot of people who are great at jujitsu who, who are not necessarily... Um, the best people, even though martial arts talks a lot about self improvement. And we can sometimes those people confuse the means of becoming a better person, training in martial arts, with the, the ultimate ends, becoming a better person. So we, we'd want to, when we're practicing sport, watch out for that common mistake. Um, yeah, another one last passage because I, I, I want to throw it in because it's my, it's my favorite and it slipped my mind for some reason. Yeah. Um, But Epictetus talks about being a philosopher, like being like an Olympic athlete. And he's like, you're going to have to train. You're going to have to diet. Um, You're going to get beaten up. You're going to get bloody. You're going to get dirt thrown in your face. You're going to like not be able to drink. You're going to have to abstain from partying with your friends. And he's like, and then after all that, you might go to the Olympics and still lose. And he's like, and Mm -hmm. unless you're okay with that, you're not a real athlete. You haven't really understood what it means to be an athlete which, again, is to engage in this process of improvement and dedication. He says the same is for a philosopher. You're going to study all this time, and at the end of the day, you might still get angry. You might still do something you're not proud of. And you have to be okay with that because the point is not to kind of achieve... I mean, the point is to achieve this goal, but it's it's not an easily one goal. In the short term, the point is this process of improvement. And the true philosopher... And I think he would argue that the, the true athlete is the one that dedicates themselves to this process of improvement, um, not to an end goal you can show off to other people.
0: Yeah, I think absolutely. That would be something that is also very difficult for athletes right away. When you, when you were talking about that, I just remember one of the Finnish athletes and uh, he trained for the Olympics and, 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 and he competed and he failed and he performed under his expectations. And there's the interview right after that. And obviously he's upset and emotional. And he just, the first thing he says is that I have just wasted four years of my life. And, and I guess for the Stoics, that would not. <laughs> <laughs> not really be the response that you would hope to hear at that point.
1: Yeah, maybe some forgiveness in the moment if they're if they're interviewing him right after, but yeah. if, if, if you if you keep that going, I mean, I think that's indicative of someone who's relating to sport in the wrong way, they would say, or at the very least, I mean, if you 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 always want to take something from the process. and that's the biggest strength that I think stoicism gives you is this, Emphasis on process. It makes you always benefit. It makes you always become stronger in each situation. Um, And this point of this, one last Epictetus quote. um, I mean, there'll probably be more later, but one last on this point. Um, He says that anything you do for physical improvement can be done for, for improvement of your character, but just be sure you're doing it to improve your character and not for your reputation or how you feel. It's like, if you want to make sure, he has this little quote, but he's like, if you want to do this, he's like, work out on a hot day, put some water in your mouth, and spit it out without swallowing. And the idea there is, I mean, not to make yourself suffer, but the the idea is like, you should do that like when no one's watching. And the idea is not to make yourself suffer, but, you know, if you're making yourself suffer when no one's watching, you're probably doing it for the right reason. Um, is a good distinction. If you're going for a run and you're not posting it on Instagram, <laughs> you know, and you're not telling it, you're not telling anybody about it, you're yeah. probably going on that run to get better instead of letting people know you're getting better. Isn't um, that
0: kind of the same thing what is said in the Bible about doing a good deed and not going in the marketplace and making sure everybody knows <laughs>
1: that. Yeah, I think there's a ton of there's a ton of similarities.
0: Yeah, yeah. Right. So, for the virtuous athlete, to when you are training hard and and you are improving yourself, you would not be making sure that everybody has heard how much you lift and whether you won the competition and and all that.
1: Yeah, and I don't want to pick on this. I don't want to pick on the Finnish athlete because um you know that's obviously a very a lot of sacrifice they've put into it. But yeah, um, yeah. whether or not you win is. You know, is a factor a representation of who shows up that day, Mm. um, and how they perform. So this idea somehow that you know you've you've trained for four years, and then you know Johnny from the United States gets injured, and you know this other person has a bad run. So then you get the gold medal, and somehow it was worth it. But Mm. you know now you've come you've come fourth because everybody else performed well and it's not worth it even though your time was the same in both universes it's a very conf- it would be very confusing for the stoics and i i think i would it w- it's a very confusing outlook because yeah you're really putting the emphasis on this external reward that you can show to other people and you can brag about because your time is the, is the same and you've trained for 4 years and so whether or not you've wasted those years even if you're looking at performance should be determined you know even before you compete Because, you know, if you, if you didn't get better over those four years, that was wasted even before you lost. Mm. Um, you know, the fact that you lost just doesn't, doesn't make a difference. And if you had won, it wouldn't have made a difference either. Um, it's just that once again, hitting on this, this mindset shift from results to process, um, is, is a big one for the Stoics.
0: Yeah, thanks for the wonderful discussion.
1: Thanks for joining us this week on Physical Activity Researcher podcast. If you like the show, make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing or following the show on Twitter. This
0: podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for
1: your support. If you found value in the show, we would really appreciate a rating on Apple Podcast or whichever app you're using. Or if you would, in a real old school way, simply tell a friend about the show. It would be a great help for us. We have a fantastic lineup of guests for forthcoming episodes, so be sure to tune in. Thank you all for your support and have a great day.